everybody. Welcome to the No Film School podcast for the week of July 22nd, 2022. I'm Charles Hain. I am a filmmaker. I'm here with editor-in-chief of No Film School, George Edelman. Hello. I am here with cinematographer, YouTuber, all-around gentleman, Todd Blankenship. Hey, how's it going? And I'm here with Gigi Hawkins, filmmaker representing the Los Angeles contingent. Hello. This week, we're going to be talking about, we're going to get meta, and we're going to talk about filmmakers as trolls and the attention economy and getting attention to your work. Then going to talk about someone who needs no more attention on their work because they, they get it from the old way with celebrity, which is Steven Spielberg directing a music video. Uh, we're going to be talking about AI art with Dolly, which we are making the third story because it's the one I'm frankly the most excited about. And we're going to be doing all that and talking about a filmmaking myth this week on the No Film School podcast. All right, so our first story, we were talking about another big story that went around this week, which is big Hollywood directors, the Russo brothers, saying something trolly, which is, it's elitist to say you only want to watch a movie in the theater, which like, it's not elitist. Elitist is like, I don't think rich people should pay taxes, or if you only went to an Ivy League school, you get this job. Like, I've been to plenty of movie theaters in rural Tennessee where tickets were $7, and I'm sure they're only $10 now. And like, movie theaters are wonderful, and there's popcorn and video games. It's not elitist. But what we got to talking about was the fact that this only comes up when people have movies out, which is like James Cameron a couple weeks ago saying he wants you to pee your pants at Avatar 4. And Spielberg <laughs> and Scorsese talking about Marvel movies and the basically. So John Waters says this quote, which I'm always telling my students, which is John Waters feels like all filmmakers are obligated to become celebrities in and of themselves because otherwise you're always at the mercy of your actors. And basically when you're trying to put a movie together, you're trying to market a movie like People, I remember my life being like, ooh, do you want to go see the new John Waters movie? The same way they might be like, do you want to go see the new uh, Ryan Gosling baby goose movie? And I think that Marvel (laughs) has really smartly recognized that do you want to go see the new Marvel movie has the potential to do that. And what's interesting about Marvel in particular is that they've managed to do that in a way that almost no other, you know, Steve Jobs had that great observation that the only real brand in movies was Disney. Like, there's only the biggest nerds would ever say, do you want to go see the new universal movie? Like, like that's a nerd (laughs) thing. Like only like 12 people in Los Angeles would ever say that, but people say, Oh, we should go see the new Disney or the new Pixar. And then Marvel has become that too. And directors have the potential to do that. But like, you got to get attention to your movies. You got to get people to want to go. And trolling seems to be the modern equivalent of that is like getting a troll going, troll it up, say something controversial, get people talking, get podcasts, maybe even filmmaking podcasts talking about it, and you get some attention to your movie. So do we feel like this is a good thing for filmmakers to learn how to troll? Should should everybody be out practicing their trolling right now? I think we do a lot of the, the heavy lifting in terms of making it trolling. Like, I think, I don't really think it's like often meant, like, a lot of subtext can happen in the tone of someone's voice. And, uh, you know, when you're reading it as words on a thing, it's hard to pick up on a lot of that. I think just sometimes, like, people's thoughts are their thoughts. And just because we are looking at what they're saying so closely that, 
you know, they make one statement and a whole rapid fire of, of, you know, different articles will pop out about it or whatever. It's like, you know, it's, it's, I, f- I feel like we kind of fill in a lot of the blanks in terms of the trolling. Like sometimes it is like big time, big time, uh, trolling, but I don't know. You're saying we're the trolls. I, I think, well, no, I mean, okay, maybe, okay, we're all the trolls. Like, we're just playing part of... No, no, us here on this podcast. Oh, uh, I definitely I, am, actually. <laughs> and, like, and I'll throw out there real quick, like, I tweeted that something about how Top Gun Maverick has a lot in common with Billy Madison because of the age gap. Like, I made a joke. I don't remember the exact phrasing of it, but it's like he goes back to flight school. He's like 40 years older than everybody else there, et cetera. <laughs> and Jason Hellerman, writer at No Film School, like ratioed me for the kids out there by like, he made a comment about how that was a bad take. And like, way more people liked his comment than my initial joke that, um, and by the way, I like Top Gun Maverick. So I'm just, it was just funny to me because it was like they had to find a way to get him back. To flight school. That was the important thing. But anyway, um, <laughs> I am a troll. That's the point of the story. Like, I do like to tweet silly things and hot takes, and I don't mind if there's fallout. And sometimes there's is even more than just Jason ratioing me. And I <laughs> do agree that it's part of the culture. It's part of the interplay. And this is kind of like, I'm going to go out on a limb. Once something becomes so established that we're like, uh, okay, another director said something kind of clicky, and so we're going to talk about it. Well, then it's no longer working for any of us, right? Because we're so familiar with the engine that now here we are talking about our topic this week. I even brought up the story with the sigh because I was like, do we even want to do this? Because we've recognized the pattern. So it's not fun anymore. But before we recognize the pattern, it was fun. And this is why I think it is, is because I think it's good if people are comfortable speaking their mind and saying whatever they they feel or think about whatever it is. And, and there may be some consequences if you say something super offensive, but none of these things are, are that. These are just like, you know, these are just kind of like saying little snippy things about the industry we all work in. So they're all good. Like nobody's trying to hurt anybody with it. If that, that's a different story. There is a level of trolldom out there that is like offensive, hurtful, and awful. And that's not what I'm advocating or talking about at all. I'm just talking about, you know, in the sports world, they always talk about how every post-game interview is the same and cliche. And it's, we just tried to do our game plan and I'm just here to have a good time. Like, it's just, there's nothing because they're being way too careful. So what I don't really like is the idea of entertainment becoming a place where everybody just does these PR interviews and goes around and is like, says the, the most sanitized and and uninteresting and safe thing because it's kind of fun to hear what Martin Scorsese really thinks about movies. And and to your point, Todd, you made a great point. He didn't actually say anything that crazy. It was just sort of recontextualized and it's still talked about (laughs) today, years ago, years later, what he said. But it really wasn't like that hot a take, the way he put it, it was like people took some of the pieces out of the context and written instead of spoken. You're right. It changed it. But again, I kind of like if people just go out there and say like, hey, you all may not agree with me, but here's what I think about our field. So for me, it's kind of now that it's becoming so clear that it's partly an attempt to to get PR, it's become less interesting than when it was like, oh, cool. So-and-so said, spoke their mind about the industry. Yeah, for sure. I, and I, I don't know, 
this specific one is kind of funny to me because it is such a it's kind of a weak take and it's like also right. sort of like thank <laughs> you reach <laughs> thank you russo brother for caring about us us uh you know struggling financially people and like I, it, to me it's just a little bit like hey hey guys i'm still in touch like i'm still in touch with the common man i know I know yeah, that going to the theater is expensive. So it's also you know. such a naked plug for a Netflix release. Like that's the <laughs> other thing that bothers me about it is it's like it's not like just a take that they had that that came up in the context of the interview. You guys have seen when we talked about it on the podcast as well. Like sometimes we talked about it with Tom Cruise and Maverick. Sometimes people will dig up a Playboy interview where where people used to let their guard down. <laughs> like and they and they would find like when James Con passed away, rest in peace. There was a great quote quotes people were pulling about James Con like just being totally honest, pulling no punches in like print interviews. And it's fun that those exist. Orson Welles was a classic example of that. He was such a troll like before that was a thing. Like every interview he ever did, he was just talking about how much he, how much of a hater he was for the currently famous people. I'll never forget. There's like a Twitter account that just is like, you know, very trolly Orson Welles quotes. Yes. And uh, <laughs> what was my favorite one was someone asked him about Rossellini and he was like, Rossellini's not a director. Every Italian is just a great actor. You just have to stand <laughs> in front of Italians and they're good. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're so mean. That is very such a pleasant way. And you're right, though, about the other point you made, Charles, that it's a bit of marketing for a persona that allows you to become a factor because the industry has, again, wisely pivoted away from <laughs> humans to IP. Like we talked about a lot. We've seen it happen. Over time, Spider-Man is like a studio star, not the one of the five guys who've played him. I mean, they got all of them together recently, but there's so many (laughs) Spider-Men now that it's really, it's Spider-Man. It's not those guys, you know? Well, and we're in this interesting space where even within that context, you can still become a known IP like Taika Waititi, who is like the busiest person on this planet at the moment as far as i can tell nobody seems to be making as much work and our flag means death is great and everybody should check that out too and not sleep on it but like you know it is sort of interesting to think about like it is very interesting to me to think about our goals as filmmakers and the work we want to try and create and what are all the things we need to do to do that and like you know john waters would argue becoming a personality in the orson Welles style is part of the work you have to do to do that. And I think that there is some argument to be made that like learning marketing skills, learning how to participate in generating that clickability thing that your press agent wants from you is a skill that is relevant to filmmaking. I always appreciate someone who can just commit to the bit I I remember at Dances with Films, there was this filmmaker named Jens Josephs who made a sort of hybrid documentary fiction piece about him making a film starring his friend as they drove across the country. And it was hilarious and bizarre. And he's like, has this vibrant red hair and always wears a black t-shirt. And he was passing, he was in character the whole time as this director character in his short and he was passing out like cards that he had written with Crayola markers with like 
like his business cards were a stick figure drawing with like red hair on top of it. And I was like, this guy is either brilliant or like, like and trolling all of us or just this is who he is. And even when he was interviewed for director's notes, he was that the interview um, short film website, he was still in character. And of course now he's a friend and I know him, but like it made such an impression to be in character this whole weekend. And it, it was a brand move and it was brilliant. And, you know, even as an emerging filmmaker, you can, you can like, you know, mess with the audience at, at many different levels, whether it's the Q&A and networking at a film festival. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> that's super clever. I think that's a good model in a lot of ways of just like be memorable, like be be your own calling card or or create, a, you know, without being memorable for the wrong reasons. I don't know. I think there's well, something and to like, that for I, sure. If you think about it, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I don't know that I've ever even seen a picture of the Russo brothers. Like, I don't, I didn't really know what they look like until, like, I that I haven't really heard what they thought about anything. Like to me, they've always been such like faceless name. I mean, I know they were, were involved in a lot of stuff. Like they did like a lot of comedy stuff back in the day. Like they were, they were on Arrested Development and things like that. But like, I never really hear things from them, which is, you know, the the classic thing with like the Marvel directors. Like they kind of pick people that are sort of malleable in a certain way, I feel like. But um, in, to your point, like, okay, now the, the Russo brothers, they're a little bit more on my radar than they used to be just because I saw that article pop up, you know? They are such a funny career to me. Because they directed, so they first hit my radar when they directed, I think they were, there was a big deal when they directed an episode of Community that involved paintballing. And I knew a lot of people who worked on that episode. And so I remember that episode kind of like spiked in the, in the, in the world, in the community. And then that sort of led to like a bunch of crazy Avengers shit that was like the biggest (laughs) Avengers movies ever. Like that's just crazy. That's a very modern, path like it's such an unheard of you know you that's not how it would have gone i think in the past but yeah um, like they I, are I, mean, I think about but yeah i had no idea what they looked like either actually still like john, john watts the the spider-man director guy like i don't he i know he had like a he began in horror films and then but it's like you don't ever i don't know i don't really see like him in, in press junkets or anything i don't i don't really hear him saying things very often so I don't know. Did I? I think I just like unproved my own point that <laughs> <laughs> like you kind of do need to be say something to get like some articles written about you, or else no one really knows who you are. And it's it's weird to me that the Russo brothers haven't really done anything else that's been super well liked. Like I don't know about y'all, but um, the what, the gray the gray man, whatever this is, it it looks oh, like it's yeah. gonna be kind of rough. It, it doesn't. It looks, <laughs> It's it's oh, got yeah. it's got forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes written all over it for me, uh, but we'll see. I might be wrong. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I mean, it is a complicated thing. I don't know. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. We're drifting from director as personality and internet troll. But I don't know. I am always suspicious of people who attempt to create new IP. Because a lot of the best IP wasn't like deliberately IP, right? Like the first Star Wars famously, like George Lucas likes to say in retrospect, it was always this giant world, but like it didn't say episode four when it just came out. He just made a movie Star Wars and then it was a hit because it was good. And like with the exception of maybe the Matrix, I can't think of many examples where people deliberately are like, I'm going to launch a multiverse where it (laughs) works. And even the Matrix, the first one is still, in my opinion, the best. And so, like, when I, you know, like, I ended up reading an article about the Gray Man because of their trolling about theaters. So they successfully worked on me. Uh, and I saw a picture of them and I was like, oh, that's what they look like, <laughs> which I had the same reaction as you. But I was like, oh, shit, you're trying to launch an IP. I remember I had some friends who interviewed to work at Will Smith's company when he was trying to launch an IP for his son way back before he slapped Chris Rock. Which is another way kid? to super internet. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, it was the one another Earth the M night where he yeah the M, yeah, the M-, M- night yeah and like my friends would go in an interview or like have meetings or whatever and they'd come back and they'd be like yeah so this movie is the first of like eight and then there's a graphic novel series and then there's like oh, two no. TV spinoffs and I was like oh they better hope that first movie's good as we all know it was not <laughs> and uh, there was no more giant you know like it did not launch the like I kind of feel like you should just make a good fucking movie. And then if yeah. your movie's great, turn it into an IP. And or like, you know, they worked be. with the- Let it can be I tie, a good movie. That's can I tie so all that stuff, all that stuff together in a weird Hollywood package? So bright. So I saw a thing about Gray Man, which was like it I saw a blurb that said it's the best Netflix release since Bright, which I thought, like, wait, is that good? No, nobody bad? liked Bright. <laughs> yeah, was like, Bright that sounds like uh, not a good thing. I don't under, I didn't, don't even know what that means, given the way people responded to Bright. But what's funny is I remember Bright because years before Bright came out, I went into a couple meetings with a production company that was looking to develop basically Bright. And I was in a room pitching to be a person who had an idea that would fit with Bright. They had like certain guide rails for those who don't know. Sometimes like some development executives or production companies have like a thing that they're like, we want to do something kind of like this. Like it's a midnight run, but one of them's an alien or <laughs> something like that. <laughs> and then they're like, do you have a pitch? Do you have a take? And then you have to kind of try and thread this needle of like, hmm, how do I take what they've got, make it also mine, make it sound good back to them, convince them I should write it. Like and get their money. Like it's a really weird dance, and I never developed the ability to do it. But I tried a couple times, and that was an example. And so when I saw Bright come out, Will Smith also tying it together to Charles's story, and it's clear that it was they were trying to launch something. They were like, "It's going to be a big world. There's world building involved." And I remember when Bright came out, I was like, "They did it." They did it. They made that movie and it looks awful. <laughs> like, and it's just like one of those things where like it, it like that always feels so clear to me when you're really trying to like muscle this thing up the mountain and be like, this is going to be more than one movie. Like we're starting with the one movie, but we're trying to hint that there's so much more. It's like you can't you can't force that. But, you know. 
of course, if you could, like, like uh, look at Knives Out. It doesn't, that, nothing about that first movie feels like there's going to be a Knives Out expanded universe. It's more like the audiences flocked to it. People loved it. They want more of it. And it's like, boom, that's, that's your expanded universe. Like, you'll find a way. Like, if the... You Poirot it. Poirot? Is that the... Poirot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. T- totally Poirot. Poirot. Totally Agatha Christie. Like, and, and there's no, like, playbook. There was, I, I doubt, I could be wrong. I've been wrong a lot in my life. But I doubt that production companies were taking people in and saying, like, we're trying to come up with the next Poirot series. Like, mm-hmm. was anybody thinking that way? Like, we want to do an Agatha Christie-style expanded universe. No. It just happens sometimes. And I think that that's just more to the the magic of, like, try to follow your excitement and hope that that's mm-hmm. contagious. As opposed to the thing I was talking about that's so hard, but some people are great at it, which is take someone else's excitement, wrap yours around it, and deliver a new exciting package. <laughs> like, have have any of y'all heard of Tom Hanks's Electric City? Yes, no. did I? <laughs> this, oh, is, this is like a, a giant universe that Tom Hanks created, and he had like all these characters. Like he had, it was a whole world. It's like a futuristic noir that he wanted to do with puppets, and. They, they, he worked on it for like a decade, and apparently, apparently, it's like actually really, really cool. And they ended up releasing it as like a small, like I think five minute episode, like ten episode of five minute episodes thing or something. And you can't, you can't even like watch it anywhere. But they did it, and it's it's just funny to think like you know, okay, like in terms of like big IPs or whatever. Um, and I don't even really know how we went down this tangent, but like. <laughs> It it's just funny, like Tom Hanks. But I feel like, like that's the even Tom his Hanks was a good one that proves. Yeah, but I respect it because it's so fucking weird and yeah, so like I super love, out there. Yeah, yeah, I love that story, and I love. I mean, I do just love Tom Hanks. He's always trying stuff. He seems like a really nice guy, and yeah. he he definitely has like weird ideas. Like he's a huge Star Trek fan apparently, and he's wanted to be in Star Treks before. But like, I can totally see that in his mind, he had this like kind of wanted to try doing some crazy fantasy thing and like put it out there and it just didn't happen. Like I love him yeah, for trying just, that. Yeah, it's just interesting that, you know, even even he couldn't really get it off the ground and it was in apparently, you know, neither could Will Smith or whoever else. So yeah, I mean, long story exactly, short, it's yeah. it's it's hard to to come out the gate trying to trying to launch a, a multiverse. Especially when it's with puppets. All right. <laughs> I can think of no better transition than puppets. So, uh, moving off from puppets, our second topic today, <laughs> Steven Spielberg's doing music videos. And he's doing them, and I, I want to be clear about this, there's no son involved, it is just straight up for Mumford. Um, <laughs> it's oh. just for Mumford. Marcus yeah, Mumford. There was, well, I, the, Mumford and Son split up because one of them got canceled or something. I haven't been following the, the Mumford and Sons extended universe, so I'm not sure... Uh, I'm the best person to to update where we are on Mumford Infinity. But Steven Spielberg's doing a music video, and I wanted to talk about it because if there's one thing that's always been fascinating to me, I mean, I'm going to right out the gate say, like, everybody can make whatever they want, like, good for good for Steven Spielberg for doing a music video. But, like, if there's one thing I remember from my, wor- my working music video friends is, like, you know, they were all aspiring to do narrative and tell stories, and a lot of them were working in music video, and they loved it, but they were, like, 
working in music video and hoping to get to narrative. But music video was like a living for them. And then they were always kind of flabbergasted when like some sort of major director would like do a video or they would be bidding against somebody who was like doing stuff we'd seen for like $12,000 videos. And they were like, well, how am I supposed to compete with this person who's like famous and willing to come out on a $12,000 video? And uh, so I feel some empathy. I just want to give a, give a, I want to pour one out for any music video directors who bid on that Mumford job and then lost it to fucking Steven Spielberg. <laughs> that was probably a bummer. I'm going to make another sports metaphor because over the weekend, LeBron James showed up to a pro-am, which is a pro-amateur tour in Los Angeles and played and it was all over Twitter. And it was like, really? You got to show up and like beat up on, yeah, on the Drew League, which is an LA thing, like regular dudes, sort of. Um, That's that's Spielberg going out and taking the job from somebody. And I I think if you, it's like... It's like losing the music video job to Spielberg is kind of cool in a way, like trying to guard LeBron James suddenly. But I think that it's interesting to see this story. What I liked about it too was like it lists Kate Capshaw as the dolly grip <laughs> because I guess she was holding like the chair he sat on while he was shooting it and <laughs> rolling him around. Like this was a very DIY production with Steven Spielberg, Kate Capshaw. Um, Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan. Yeah, which they're I guess all she, like, she's married to Marcus Mumford. So that makes right, sense. Right. It was a it was oh. a family project. They they like got together and and made a little video. <laughs> it's just funny. I to wonder think if of it was them. on accident. They're like uh, yeah. hanging out at dinner and somebody starts shooting and somebody rolls the chair and they're like, Oh, I guess <laughs> this is our I guess we have a music video. Yeah, this this picture I'm looking at, it looks like Spielberg's hold or whoever's hold I, I can't tell if that's Spielberg or not. It kind of looks like him. But it looks like he's holding like a just like a Fuji X-T4 or something. Like it looks like he's, he's just got like a little pancake lens on a, on a normal camera and, and they're just <laughs> pushing him back and forth in a rolly chair. It's so good. A desk chair. That's, yeah. these people are playing in our sandbox, everyone. That's what's happening. And it's kind of <laughs> just cool, like the idea of it's also someone, kind of someone being annoying, at home and right? they're like shaking their fists at the sky like, damn you Spielberg. That was my idea. <laughs> <laughs> Spielberg's I want to see guy. it. He, I want to see what he did with the pancake lens on a desk chair and a Fuji. Like, I, I'm curious what translates and what doesn't. You yeah, know, is when it, you is lose the, all is the video the out, or are they? I don't know. I don't That's a good question. I'm, I'm As of this recording, I do not believe it is. I, over the weekend, speaking of Spielberg and just him, kind of like just hopping into weird ventures. I know some some of y'all do live or have lived in the LA area, but I just watched this whole video about his restaurant chain that he had at one point, the dive. like yes. dive, like these theme restaurants. Did you ever go to dive? Yes. <laughs> no, I've never I even heard of I dive. Did. No, yeah. I, I oh, never weird. heard of this. What is dive? Um, he had like it's a so... rainforest cafe style restaurant where yeah. you're in a submarine. <laughs> tell tell yes. me about this, George. What? Man, it's so, so dive funny. Isn't it's... a dive bar reference? Dive no. is like literally <laughs> dive submarine? <laughs> and it's, and it's I... all sub, sub sandwiches. <laughs> I have no. never... Re- no. I don't know if that part is true, actually, but I should. We should Google it immediately and find out. I've never. It never occurred to me until just this moment how absurdly bizarre it is that this happened because it was definitely just a part of being in West Los Angeles in the early '90s, late '80s, early '90s is when I think it happened. But yes, he he had a restaurant. It was kind of like the Planet Hollywood thing, I guess. It was. Yeah, he was going. He was going. It was supposed to be like a Planet Hollywood slash Rainforest Cafe kind of thing where like 
the food is met, but like most most of the money comes in from like merchandise. You keep and, saying Rainforest Cafe as if that's a reference we should get. What is Rainforest Cafe? Oh, oh, oh my god. You guys don't know Charles. about Rainforest Cafe? It's it's only a uh rainforest themed jungle style restaurant where there are animatronic gorillas that shake trees and there's a what? literal there's and a literal rains. thunderstorm with really loud lightning that will ruin whatever conversation you're having and it rains on your head. And I'm sure that rain, you know, is completely sanitary and it's not like you're having your food get water. all wet. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm surprised. <laughs> gray I mean, water. You, you got you got to check out Rainforest Cafe. You'll have yeah. You know, I've been to a Rainforest Cafe it. too. <laughs> it, it's very um, like Disneyland, uh, Jungle Cruise vibes. Now uh, I don't but know if you guys need- know this, but there's a Medieval Times in New Jersey where the workers just unionized. Are the workers unionized at Rainforest Cafe? Well, I don't. Is the gorilla got pennies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't um, know about all that, but I I I, I watched this video about it. Uh, this really good YouTube channel that just talks about like abandoned things. Uh, Bright Sun Films. You should check out their channel. They they have a really good documentary as well. But um, yeah, and it was just talking about how like they they had like a a Las Vegas one. There was one in Barcelona. There was they they had them all over the place apparently for a little while, and I had no idea. And how about was this. Bruce Willis involved? Bruce Willis? <laughs> I'm sure he might have been. I don't think he was, but wait, in which one? Didn't they uh, have a restaurant? I don't know. He was Bruce Willis was involved in um Planet Hollywood, right? That was uh, his thing. Uh, Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis, Sylvester Stallone, and Arnold Schwarzenegger opened Planet Hollywood, if memory serves. Oh. And it was their Hard Rock Cafe. Is there still a plant? God, this podcast has gotten into a really strange place. Like, is there still a in Hollywood in Times Square, Charles? There was like 15 years ago, but I mean, I love how I don't- you asked me that as if Times Square is a frequent. Yeah, don't you go there every day? <laughs> uh, my last visit to Times like- Square was the summer of 2015 when I had a friend from Poland who was in for a work thing and her company had put her up in Times Square. And so she was like, Do you want to meet me in Times Square? And I was like, uh, I guess so. And but we did not go to the Planet Hollywood, so I cannot answer. There is a Times Square Planet Hollywood. Well, actually, it says it's closed all week, so maybe it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> oh, and I'm well, just going to the, the Guy Fieri restaurant closed too. Times Square is not what it used to be. <gasps> now, oh, let us I went pivot. there once. I, I got no, I have no beef with Guy Fieri. He seems kind of like an American hero. Uh, I like him I too. He, he's a, he's a good dude. Wait, I, you got I'm COVID just, from Guy Fieri? I, hold on, we're we're I we got to reel it in, guys. No beef. <laughs> Sorry, we got to reel it in. Well, we're this not is our best episode. In. I'm going to put <laughs> this one up to the awards. Our next Actually, subject is. I can tie this into something that's super relevant to filmmakers, um, because the secret of flying into LA, which you will inevitably have to do if you are a filmmaker or aspiring filmmaker, you have to fly into Burbank Airport where yes, you will have agreed. no lines and no traffic, but there is a Guy Fieri restaurant, which is where I ate a burrito, where I got, and I believe that's where I got COVID. Oh. So don't, well, you may or may not go there, your risk, depending on your risk tolerance, but um, yeah, fly Burbank. So you, you, you went a little too close to Flavortown. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, that oh, sucks. Man. So yeah, uh, I mean, that's Golly. cool that, so, that's yeah, cool that our Spielberg next directed a music video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a shout out to all those directors who bid on it and lost. Yeah. So our next subject 
is uh, the real thing that's going to steal everyone's jobs. Artificial intelligently ger- generated artwork. Dolly, you've probably seen this on the internet. You put in a little prompt, like a uh, 90s Game Boy instant cooker, and uh, <laughs> it tries desperately to create that image for you. And Todd, you've been testing it, right? How, how do you get permission to test it? It's, is it in beta? Is it public? Well, there's, there's Dolly Mini, and then there's the, the, one that, the one that I'm seeing most of is this one called Mid Journey, and it's like Discord-based. Like you, you type in the prompt into a Discord, and then it uses its AI bullshit to pop out a weird, mushy-looking like Beksinski painting. And I'm, I'm losing my mind over it, guys. I can't. <laughs> it's making me crazy because it's so stupid. I hate it. <laughs> it's the stupidest thing. And and it's it's ruining like my it's ruining all my feeds. Um and and it's to me it's like it's worse than from my perspective it's like it's like borderline like the NFT craziness like I hope it kind of fizzles out eventually and I mean the AI thing that's I mean lordy I don't know how far I want to go down this rabbit hole but like the amount of people who are CG design artist professionals that now they're posting AI art instead of like things that they it, you didn't do anything you typed in a sentence guys get over it like I don't understand and and there's so many people going like I can't wait to use this for concept art and blah 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 I'm like yeah man it would sure suck to be a concept artist right now except the concept artists are the ones posting it. I don't know what's going on. Why? I'd be like, it's like just posting things that you're like, hey, isn't this cool? It's going to steal my livelihood. Check it out. Isn't this exciting times? And I'm like, no. And what you did, it's not like, I think for me, like, and maybe what I'd like to talk about is like, where do we draw the line between what is art and what is not art? And, and, it's like you to me typing in like um sad robot in uh neo futuristic hong kong eating a hamburger and then it pops out like a weird kind of blurry sort of half decent looking thing and then you post it on your instagram and you're like hey guys look at this i saw this thing oh my god i laughed so hard i i laughed so hard someone was posting mid journey renders and i saw i was i was like going through comments on it because i was you know i was just like hate scrolling i was like this is so stupid why are they doing this and someone was like dude i need you to do my i need you to do my album art and and the person was like oh hell yeah hell yeah okay yeah i'll kick out a few renders for you and then this person started saying like yeah i have this sort of vibe i i this is what my music is like can you make it sort of like this and the person was like yeah, I'll just have to see what the AI does. And then the person was like, the person was like, AI, what do you mean? And he's like, oh yeah, this is just AI generated stuff. And the person was like, oh, so you don't like design this? Oh my God. <laughs> and I laughed for so long because I was just like, that's exactly the problem. For me, it's like, if you're using it to maybe help your ideation process, if you're using it to be like, I want to know what this thing would, you know, it's like, help me sort of visualize something and then I'll make my own version of it. But people are posting these things like as though they did something. Like they're posting it as like, 
I made this. And you're like, no, you typed a sentence in and you hit enter. And that's what you made. And I'm just kind of weirded out by it because it, where does it stop? Like, when, how long, how far are we from like, you know, artists typing in like pop hit number one on the charts and then whatever the thing, you know, pops out and then, and then that's their music. Like, what, what, where does it stop? I don't understand. It's my, it's, it, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. You know, so there's all that. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to uh there's a lot to unpack there. I would say that to me so I didn't know about mid-journey and I am fascinated to hear what this is like from the perspective of graphic design and people in that world and community because to me it's a meme generator in that everybody's just like the meme was let me make, let me see what weird thing the, let me break it. Like there was like, like Charles's initial in the intro, like, uh, there are things like Fisher Price, my first, you know, bulletproof vest, which is like a horrible joke in the context of this country these days. But it's also like, then you see like six to nine images generated and they're colorful, ch childlike bulletproof vests. And it's just like, Everybody's trying to break it. Like I saw Elon Musk eating crayons. Like, and it's just <laughs> weird pictures of Elon Musk's. And, and it's like the AI can't really put the pieces together, but like sort of does. And like two of the nine maybe work. And then one is bizarre. It was like uh, Darth Vader at a kid's birthday party. And like sometimes the cake is part of his head. And sometimes like, like every, like it's just, I think the fascination is seeing what, our massive library of content generates uh, that exists in the world and seeing like, can you put the pieces together? What, what, what if I say something like completely bizarre? Um, like, and sometimes it's, it's really funny because you'll be watching, you'll be looking at one and you'll be like, oh my God, that like is really good. Like it puts something together that's really strange that came right out of someone's brain. I do think there's a danger in it as a replacement for content and as user-generated entertainment, I think we're going to see more and more things like this, obviously, where people can plug stuff in and then see it play out in front of them um, and then share it. And that'll become some method of creating, sharing, and laughing. And, and part of the joke will be like, oh my God, this is so bad. Um, but to the other end of the extreme, like you said, it could also trick people and be used as like, Hey, I did the, I did the homework assignment or the job you asked me to do. And all I did was enter a sentence into an AI thing. It could have been exactly what you would have done. So well, I do it, think we're getting into weird territory. I think everything about it is weird, but at this point it's clunky enough that it's also hilarious. You know, you could do deleted scene and then, you know, who knows? Like there's see, prompts a, that generate certain things. That's the thing that the, 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 the dolly, the one that you're talking about, it's not, it, it does, it, it is like the stuff it makes is a little bit cursed. Like everything kind of looks a little cursed. It's not like it looks cool, really. Most of the time. Right. So, that, so that's where it like, like spend some time looking at mid journey <laughs> images. Like they look. It's like it's an AI tuned to like making sort of moody looking sci-fi-ish bullshit. And it's like, it, it looks kind of cool it, and it can fool you. Like it can, it, it looks like someone tried to make something. And, you know, the classic 
sort of argument I've always heard when when an industry kind of dies or whatever, especially in terms of like art related things is like, you know, a, a true craftsperson will always beat out, you know, a machine, a, someone with an, a vision, someone with like, sh- who's really sharing something from their soul. They'll always, it'll always be something better. And like, I, I used to work for a, a stock music company and my best friend is a composer and he used to give me shit all the time about he's like yeah you know you're uh, killing my whole industry right and i'm like i used to tell him i'm like well what, what you do is better than like what we're selling what we're selling is just like a, a a solution to a problem that has like you know a lack of soul to it what you do is like you know you you're an artist you bring so much to what you're doing and you know i never won that argument because in in my in my heart, I, I kind of knew like, well, yeah, but he's, you know, getting less smaller jobs. He's only getting the bigger jobs where people want custom stuff. And that's such a good, to me, that's, that's the thing where it's like this sort of deal. There's people whose whole livelihood is like sort of helping use their imagination to imagine what like a piece of like sci-fi armor or like what, you know, like a weird building might look like. And now you can just go on there and be like, you know, weird architecture dystopia and hit enter. And then you get like an image that someone could design something from. And that's sad to me. That's like, that's the, that's the opposite of art. That's the opposite of all of it. It's, it's just like, go ahead. Do you think that we're in danger of seeing concept artists go the way of like a travel agent or a, or a rock and roll saxophonist? I think within, within five years, absolutely. And I, I mean, the, the, that's the thing too, is like all of this could change in such a drastic way that like nothing looks like anything. And I think I talk about that a lot on the podcast, like the way that the way that the technology is moving in the visual space is like really, it's like exciting. And it's also kind of terrifying because it's like, I don't really know. I don't really know what it's going to look like, but yeah, I mean, I definitely think so. I definitely think when, when someone's trying to make a sci-fi epic, but they're trying to do it on kind of like a small budget. They're not going to hire a concept artist when they can type in and you can like, you can be specific about color. You can be specific about textures. You can be like foliage, moss, green with blue tint sci-fi building. And it has some, you know, industrial elements and, and you hit enter and you'll get a thing. And I'm just seeing more and more people posting this stuff and it's, it's just, it's bizarre to me because it's kind of like, that's what you do for a living, bro. Why are you promoting the thing that is doing what you're doing for free? I don't understand it. I don't get it. And, and maybe like I'm just... Point. No, I want to throw real quick because I want to hear Charles and Gigi on it. I just want to throw out there. I did a short a long time ago where we had a composer write a score, with the temp track and the synth sounds and everything. It was an amazing experience. The first time I ever worked with a composer, we recorded with actual musicians. It was amazing and awesome. And it really was like, it just brought it to life. It was so cool. It was so expensive. Never did it again. (laughs) That was it. After that, even when we had the composer, we used a couple live elements, but only a few. And then like went with the synth stuff. And then eventually... Yeah, it just makes more sense. So I just like your story there because I do think that like it is different. It is better. And yet we're probably going to reach that point where we don't have that option. You know, to build on your to build on your point, George, about sort of like the the score angle, uh, 
it seems like to get an output uh, that it seems like there's almost like an art in getting the output that you want and we'll see the AI evolve rapidly. But like when I was working on a short in order to craft moments and make them effective, because there was no, it was all from a dog's point of view. We relied so heavily on temp scoring. I learned how to temp score and I was crafting moments using like a sting from minority report and then a like fiddle sound from the the witch. And it was like putting that input by the time I was getting it over to a composer, she was able to extract the sort of like emotional thing that we were going for. But it took a very specific and intentional time to put in the right like pieces for to generate the 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 original. Um, so I wonder if there's like an angle where like the thing that needs to happen is people need to like figure out the the keys to at least unlock the AI generated inspiration that feels right to whatever they're aiming for. This also reminds me of when I was working at YouTube, we were having, we were launching YouTube kids and uh, it was all sort of AI algorithm generated search for kids. And it seemed very safe at first, but then the kids would be inputting like banana people looking for bananas and pajamas and these like really weird, dark videos would come up for them. (laughs) And so I think we're in kind of like this phase of clunkiness right now with the, the Dolly AI generated and this, this mid journey art where we're still getting the, the, the weird. Um, But it will become, I think way more like it'll, I think in five years from now, it'll be, you know, you, you know, you understand how to put the, what words you need to, put in to get essentially exactly what you're imagining yeah. in your mind. So does that make it art if you see it in your mind and then you can communicate it and generate it digitally? Well, and also one of the things I notice, like, you know, I think a lot about this in terms of the act of creation, because the exciting thing for me is I don't have these skills. As a little kid, I really wanted to learn to draw and like I have a hand-eye coordination disorder. My handwriting's a mess. Like I could never really draw like I wanted to. And I'm looking at these, I'm looking at like the prompts that are creating it. And it's like, oh, there's the possibility of seeing something in your head and using words to to visualize it, which is not that different than a screenwriter who uses words to to conjure the visions in their head and hopefully get those images created. So it's like very fascinating to me to see it work. But the thing is that like Gigi really hits on is like where how do you create original work within this? Because the one thing I kept noticing was like so many of the prompts are like in the style of Edward Mook, in the style of, you know, like Simpsons in the Godfather, like there's always these style references. And so it becomes everything that was created before is the palette we have to work with. So as opposed to like every once in a while, you see a movie and you're like, where the fuck did that come from? Like, yeah, that is different than anything else. And like, I don't know that this tool is going to allow you to make stuff that's like, where the fuck did that come from? It's going to allow you to like pastiche. Now, a lot of great work is also just pure prestige, right? Like there's that great Vimeo video, everything is a remix that points out that like way more of the thing, like oftentimes if you think something's really original, it just means you don't know the sources it's ripping off. But, you know, culture is constantly remixing everything. And this is another tool for doing that. But it does make me wonder like, I don't know, for some reason what came to mind was the sounds, the sound design and score of Inception, which like change, Mm. you know, Everyone knows it now and rips it off heavy. But when we were all in the theater and we saw it, we were like, what the fuck is that? Where did that shit Mm -hmm. come from? What the fuck is that noise? 
And it's like, that's the kind of thing that's like, probably not something you're going to create with an AI tool. Well, although maybe I'm wrong. I like what you suggested there about how is everything is. And maybe if you don't think it is, it's because you're not familiar with the stuff. And I, sometimes we were talking prior to recording today about kids movies and how adults are always like, you know, watching them with their kids as soon as they come out. Cause you got to, right. Cause you know, you're got to find things to do with your kids. And I've watched a couple, I won't name them where even in the first five minutes, I feel so exhausted by the familiarity of the beats that I, yeah. I think to myself, it must be hard to make this because it's so familiar. Like we know it so well professionals like, and then I realized like, but kids don't, they don't. And it's new for them. And while I've seen it a billion, jillion times, my kids have seen it 10. <laughs> and so it's still novel. It's, it's got a new skin on it. And it's just like, look, Star Wars is, is familiar as much as we love it or just like everything. Like, so I think that there's a place for that quality. My point, just like with the auto generation of content, as we get there, there's going to be novelty for those who are not familiar with the library of sources. And we don't love that because we will be as older people. Um, but the new ones will look at it and be like, I never saw the source art. I'm not familiar with it yet. And maybe that's how, you know, like Star Wars will turn people onto Joseph Campbell, like uh, Dolly Mini uh, of like Darth Vader at a picnic in the style of Van Gogh will make someone realize like the Van Gogh brushwork is pretty cool. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how the pieces work. What? I, and I also don't love it. So I'm like on board with that. Like it's not art really, but I can see how we're going to get to a place where yeah, it'll be people's exposure to stuff. They'll be like, oh, I recognize, they'll be at a museum. They'll be like, I, re- I recognize that because I saw a meme where it was like Barney and Sesame Street pointillism, <laughs> you know? Who knows? <laughs> like, it, that might be where we're headed. Yeah, I think, I think like, just to sum up sort of my, really the, the actual, like, crux of my issue with it is when people post this stuff and they they have and they they outwardly project this this um vibe like they made this like yes this is like mm-hmm. i am talented because of this thing i did and um and i don't i don't want to gatekeep like art is an um, you know it's it's the most important thing to me and so i'm that's why it's like for me when i look at these things i'm like damn they look really cool this looks really cool and anyone can do this now. Anyone could like if they're sad, they could type in like, you know, some some moody thing and get a get an image that maybe will help them feel a certain way and maybe will help them feel better. But then like, you know, it's like it's just we're we're heading down a slippery slope where like what, you know, are we going to be in like galleries where people are posting, you know, they're going to on the wall you'll see their mid-journey art and and below it their prompt that they wrote and and okay, maybe there is some value to that. Maybe the prompt is like poetic and it, that's that's the beauty and and you, you can find that in there but it's just like uh, the the whole deal where I, f- I feel like it you know you didn't you didn't make these shapes you didn't do it you an ai did and so but i mean are I, we in the same place then as synthesized music was in the 70s and 80s where we're transitioning from a physical skill to to a 
we only judge the end result. Because like there was a moment where musicianship was both knowing the thing to compose and being able to physically perform it. And then that transitioned to you can just sit in a computer and compose it with notes on a MIDI screen. And the only, and like you didn't play that music. You don't know, you might not even know how to play piano. You could literally just keyboard in the MIDI. But if the music has an emotional effect on you, is that the only thing that matters? And I wonder if we're at that point with visual art where it's like, you might not know how a brush works or even the Apple pencil, but if the image has the emotional effect that's intended, is it the that's, same? That, that's as an like interesting the, way to look at it for sure. I mean, that is interesting. I mean, cause, cause you could, you, I could see that argument, but you still have to write the notes. You still have to give it like, I, here's the key I want, you know? And, yeah, and I you, want Homer Simpson and the Godfather. Yeah. That's interesting. And like, <laughs> that's going to have the emotional effect. I just saw that one. Uh, <laughs> and it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It has an emotional effect on me. I feel something. Um, or Voldemort <laughs> smoking a cigarette with a fisheye lens. I feel an emotion from that. I don't I know just, what that I emotion just feel is. Bad. I just feel bad for people who like <laughs> who have been, you know, working their whole, whole entire lives at being being good at making these kind of concept arty looking things, and and now it's like you know you can just type in a thing and get it. Like I just I just that would really bum me out. If I was one of those people, and I'm sure, me, I'm I'm sure that ver- a version of that is coming out soon for cinematographers as well. So I'll be waiting. Me and for my that. writing partner used to do this thing when we would get bored writing. We would start making photoshops of ridiculous things, and we still joke about it today because one of the times we made the Ghostbusters really old, and we just took an ad of them. <laughs> And of course it came true, but this was like 15, yes. 20 years ago. But we made, we just took like an old picture and we both aged them and like laughed forever about it. And it was like, so the, the, the peop- these people, like the artists could like put up for hire, like, hey, send me a prompt and I'll, I'll, I'll make something crazy for you. That, that, that's funny. That fits what you're talking about. Maybe you pay a little, you know, the guy who always posts the photoshops when people are like, hey, can you Photoshop me, but make, you know, change this or that. And then he always interprets it weird and does something else and makes a really funny image. So maybe that's a potential gig. That would be better than Dolly Mini. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I, we're definitely in transition. Oh, like there's like some, some, like a, everything's going to start looking different pretty soon, I think. And that's, I don't know. It's maybe I'm, maybe I'm scared of it and worried about people's livelihoods, but also like, this it's always been happening. Like I'm, I actually mm. really love the uh, the that you brought up the whole aspect of like I'm sure when when arpeggiators were first invented and they were like yo you don't even have to play the notes you just put down your fingers on the keys that's, that's <laughs> cheating. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean maybe you know we'll see. I, you, you guys bring up some good points. All right, we try. So that has been the No Film School podcast for the week of July 22nd, 2022. Where can we find you guys on the internet? I'm Todd Blankenship. You can find me on Instagram and YouTube at Am I Filmmaker. Uh, just dropped a new video on there that I'm pretty proud of. So uh, if robots and deserts are what you're into, go check it out. Awesome. I'm at Lost in Graceland and ggHawkins.com. And we, a couple friends and I are doing a uh, filmmaker sketch comedy challenge fundraiser special uh, that <laughs> is encouraging people to basically raise funds and awareness for abortion access. And we're challenging people to make 
sketches in the time, the earliest time that you can detect that you're pregnant to the last day you can take plan C, which is the abortion pill. So check it out. <laughs> we have like a ton of creators already on board. Oh, yeah. um, and we're going to be screening in LA and releasing it online. And we want anyone and everyone to make stuff. It's awesome. Awesome. Oh. <laughs> uh, and I'm Charles Hain. I'm on the internet at charleshain.com. And I'm not doing anything nearly as cool as you two folks. So I'm jelly. But I will check out all of the cool things you guys are doing. And I'm George Edelman, editor-in-chief at No Film School. And I am making bad jokes on Twitter, at George Edelman. Yes. <laughs> and you can find all those and all my peers ratioing me if you want. Um, you can also check out everything we talked about today and more at nofilmschool.com. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Check us out on Instagram and YouTube. Let us know what you think and send your questions to us at editor at nofilmschool.com. We'll answer them on the podcast when we don't spend a lot of time talking about Steven Spielberg restaurants and other amazing <laughs> little corners of history that we all forgot about. So uh, I'm going to post some links to Dolly Mini stuff. Feel free to play with that and share with us in the comments. Like maybe you should do the No Film School podcast. See what it See what it shoots out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for listening. 